It is March 29th, 2023, and it is uh, Wednesday. We're continuing on in Deuteronomy. So we are at Deuteronomy 14. So everyone turn there. We had uh, a good Bible study last night at the jail. I was there by myself. Cameron uh, texted me early in the day asking or making sure that I was going because something had come up and he was not going to be able to be there. So I went in there by myself, which is what I used to do for many, many years. So it was not a big deal, but uh, had, a, had a pretty good turnout and um, it, went, it went well. We had a nice Bible study. All right, so in uh, Deuteronomy 14, this is where Moses is telling them that they are supposed to be different. They're not supposed to do the things that the pagan nations were doing. And this is a reminder for them. So as we read through here, you're going to see a whole bunch of unclean animals, clean animals, and you're, they were instructed to not eat the unclean, eat the clean, and all of that. So, as we go down through here, if, you're, if you are following along in a King James Bible, a lot of these animals you're not going to recognize. And even if you use a newer version of the Bible, we still don't know for sure what some of these animals are. Even though... Some people have just said, this must be what it is, and they just put it in a new version of the Bible. And it's not uh, always correct. All right, so I, I do have my new King James open up here uh, so that some of these names that we're going to see over here, we'll see what the more modern name of that animal is. So I'm trying to keep, I'm try to keep track as I go down through here. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 14. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. Alright? Y'all got a problem with that? If you're wanting to cut yourselves, don't do that. But this is for the Jews, so I guess if you want to do it, you can. You're free to. But what, what was this about? This was about the pagan people when someone in their family, someone close to them died, they would uh, cut themselves so that they would feel pain. I know a lot of the Native American, like the, what we call Indians in this country, they did those things. They would, if they lost someone in a battle and they returned back from a battle and someone had died, the relatives, especially like a wife of a warrior that had gone out, and she would, she would hurt herself. You know, maybe chop off a finger or something, just out to show that how sincere she was about mourning for her lost loved one. So that's a pagan thing to do. We can take this as, for today, we are to not 
dishonor this body that God has given us. We are a tabernacle that the Holy Spirit lives in. We're not supposed to do things to the body. And, you know, that's why I don't like tattoos. I don't like certain weird hairstyles. You know, we're supposed to be... We're supposed to look a certain way that's different than what worldly people do. And you'll notice worldly things, it's, it's draw attention to yourself, whether it be weird colors in your hair, weird cuts in your hair, uh, and it draws the eye to the person. But we're supposed to be different than that. So that's what that was about right there. They, pagan nations would cut themselves and they would shave uh, parts of their forehead, whatever, their, uh, exactly what they did. I'm not sure, but that's what I, that was all about. Two, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar, peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. I think I've already explained that. The nation of Israel was supposed to be representing their Lord God in a way that other nations would notice that they were different as far as um, being holy and clean. So that goes into what entered their body. That it was important. All of these other peoples would eat things that were not the best for you. And what you'll notice here as we go through here, you're going to see that if they were scavenger-type animals, you, they, they were definitely unclean. So it would be a buzzard eating something that had been dead for a long time. They were doing their job. But because of what they ate, you need to make that connection. You are what you eat. And you would take in that as well if you ate the buzzard. That's why a lot of people won't eat catfish because they know that's a bottom-eating scavenger, but not all catfish are that way. Uh, the flathead catfish, they eat meat. They go after live uh, other live fish, and they do not scavenge like a uh, channel cat might. So there's, and also uh, the other reason why people won't eat catfish, as we go down through here, you're going to see if it has fins and scales. But does a catfish have scales? Your normal catfish that you have out here is slick. There's no scales on it. And you, you skin them. So that's another reason why Christians who think, you know, they, that they're, they might be under the law of Moses or they just, maybe they're not under the law, but they say, well, if it wasn't good for them, maybe I should think about this as well. Because we don't eat buzzards. We don't, there's a lot of things that we don't eat, and the reason we don't is because we've read it in our Bibles. Maybe not us, but our mothers, grandmothers, didn't 
and our grandfathers did not go out and shoot certain things and bring it home to be prepared because they knew what was in the Word of God. So it, that has carried over. So now we're getting into the animals. Verse 3, Thou shalt not eat any abominable, abominable thing. So I guess the abominable snowman is definitely off the list. All right, these are the beast which ye shall eat, the ox, the sheep, and the goat. I don't think we need any translation there. I don't think we need any modern word for that. That's all pretty self-explanatory. The heart, verse 5. Now, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, if not last week. The heart would be what we would know as a deer, just a normal deer. And the roebuck, that would be the gazelle, which I guess they're in Africa. And the fallow, fallow, fallow deer, correct me, yell it out if I say something wrong. So in, in the New King James it says the roe deer. Well, that doesn't clear anything up for me. And the wild goat and the pygarg. P-Y-G. Huh? Y-G-A-R-G. Yeah. Pygarg. Pygarg. So what is that? Antelope. Well, mine says mountain goat. That's the New King James. Huh? That's New King James, right? Yeah. Mountain goat. And the very next thing it says antelope. So I'm thinking the antelope is the wild ox. But that, I'm not sure. This is antelope. What's that? That's Cake word says antelope. Antelope for pie guard? Mm -hmm. Okay. It says it came from a Latin word meaning the white rump, which would describe the antelope. Okay. So antelope, and then we have the chamois. Isn't that chamois? Huh? Chamois. 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 It's like that rag you polish your car with. Mm -hmm. hmm? It's like that rag you polish your car with. Okay. And what is that? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, according to the New King James, a mountain sheep is what this says. So what does yours say? Mine says wild. Wild sheep? Well, a mountain sheep is a wild sheep. <laughs> so it's a wild mountain sheep. It says it's a small antelope, also called, the new versions call it a mountain sheep. Okay. And every beast, this is verse 6, and every beast that parteth the hoof and cleaveth the cleft into two claws and cheweth the cud among the beasts that ye shall eat. Nevertheless, these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the cloven hoof. And here's a list of those. As the camel and the hare. Now here's something that uh, the, the New King James says the same thing. Now, if you go to the NIV, it may say rabbit. But this is not talking about a rabbit. I would have thought rabbit. Because 
Evidently, the rabbit does not chew the cud. Now, what does that mean? Chew what you've eaten. Hmm? Chew what you've eaten. Right, you regurgitate it back up. So a cow, deer, uh, goats, they all uh, eat, swallow, and then they lay down, they regurgitate it, chew it up, and, you know, so they can digest it better. That's what, that's, you know, what I'm thinking. So a rabbit evidently does not do that, so this couldn't be a rabbit, even though the NIV says it is a rabbit. And then after hare and the coney, and this, the New King James says the rock hyrax. I don't know what that is. This says it's a small rabbit-like nocturnal animal that lives in holes in the rocks. Okay. So a small rabbit-like. So we still don't know for sure what that would be in today's words. Okay. For they, for they chew the cud, but divide not the hoof. Therefore, they are unclean unto you. Eight. And the swine, which we know that's pig, because it divideth the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud, it is unclean unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. These ye shall eat of all that are in the waters, all that have fins and scales shall ye eat. And whatsoever hath not fins and scales, ye may not eat. It is unclean unto you. Of all clean birds, ye shall eat. But these are they of which ye shall not eat. The eagle and the osophrage, osophrase, which is, Vulture? Mm-hmm. It says the Latin means bone breaker. Mm. Now, this in the King James it says, and the osprey. Now, we have what we know of a, today, osprey that will, it's kind of like an eagle down on the coastal waters. But the translation of the New King James says the buzzard. So that would be totally different. And then 13, and the, is it Gleed? And in the New King James, that, that says red kite. Like a small hawk. And then, in the, then it says, in the, New, in the King James, then after the Gleed and the kite and the vulture after his kind. So these may be mixed up a little bit to where I'm not, you know, matching them up perfectly. So I think that might be the case. And then 14, and every raven after his kind, and the owl and the night hawk, and the cuckoo, and the hawk after his kind, the little owl and the great owl and the swan and the pelican and the gear eagle and the cormorant. So what is a cormorant? It's an ocean bird. Hmm? It's an ocean bird. Ocean bird? Pretty large. 
And then here, everybody's favorite, an 18 and the stork. <laughs> Definitely don't want to eat those. And the heron, after her kind, and the lapwing, and the bat. 19, and every creeping thing that flieth is unclean unto you, they shall not be eaten. But of all clean fowls ye may eat. Ye shall not eat of anything that dieth of itself. Now this is for the Jews. They were instructed not to. But one of the things that, are, that we talked about just recently that is in the New Testament, in Acts, when, they were, when the Jewish people were trying to get the new converts coming in, the Gentile people, to follow Jewish things, they had to come together and come up with a list of things that you tell a new believer that was a Gentile that came into the faith what they couldn't do. And one of those things was don't eat or drink the blood. Now we just saw that in, in Deuteronomy last week or the week before. On Wednesdays, we've been going through this and we've already talked about how they were not to eat the blood. Well, that's one of the things that is in the list that you tell a Gentile. Do not eat things strangled, do not eat blood, do not fornicate, and what was the fourth one? There was only four things. Maybe it was eat meat offered to idols or something like that. So if you go find that list of four things, and you're kind of blown away, you're like, there's so many other things that you would think would be added to that list. But that's showing you that you're not under the law by the list that they came up with. So, you might hear somebody say, well, this is for the Jews way back then to not eat the blood, but nowadays, you, or, or anybody else, because what we're going to read next proves that anybody else could eat something that died of itself that wasn't a Jew. Uh, so let's go ahead and read that real quick. Um, 20, this is verse 21. It's after it says, uh, Ye shall not eat of anything that dieth of itself. Thou shalt give it unto the stranger that is in thy gates, that he may eat it, or thou mayest sell it unto an alien. And it doesn't specify if they're from Mars or Jupiter or anything. So we know an alien is just a foreigner, right? Okay. For, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Uh, all right, so we know that other people would be able to eat it. But if the purpose of not eating something that died of itself is because the blood is still in the animal, then we're not supposed to do that. But over in the New Testament, it's probably talking about actually draining blood and catching it for the purpose of drinking it. But I'm not eating, I'm still not going to eat it. I'm going with this right here. I'm not, definitely not going to pay for it. So, if it dies of itself, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean it's like really, really old and it just fell over and died? Um, probably not good to eat anyway. And now the last part of, 
of 21 says, Thou shalt not seethe, or a newer translation probably says boil, a kid, in this, in this situation right here, it's, it's a baby goat, right? A baby goat in his mother's milk. So if y'all are doing that, probably not a good idea. But why? Why is this a big deal? They're not supposed to do it. It just throws it in there. But there was evidently some type of a pagan worship. So if you go back, and I'll, I think I'm going to, I'll read it over here out of this, uh, it might be in this book over here, the Believer's Bible Commentary. And when we go back through this, I'm going to read that. Um, one, of the, one of the things I just read recently was talking about it was probably another ritual that the pagan religions did. And that when they boiled that kid goat in the mother's milk, then they would take the milk out and pour it on the field so the crops would produce better. That's just one idea. But then there's another thing that it's been proven over time that when you do that, it destroys all of the calcium, and that's why Orthodox Jews do not ever mix any kind of dairy product with meat. They won't do that. They keep it separate, and many of them won't even eat it at the same time. Milk is for another, another meal. If they eat meat, they only eat meat with no dairy products. Now, we <laughs> put cheese on the hamburger and we have pizza we got cheese all over it and all kinds of different meats you know meat lover that's the best right Eh, maybe meat lovers supreme all that that's so good but we mix it up and maybe that's why we have brittle bones when we get older maybe might be something to this also what when you go back to Leviticus, and you, because all of this is repeated, and you could say, well, this is exactly what he said back in Leviticus. I believe it was chapter 11. But it's not exact. So is the Word of God not matching up? Do we have a, something wrong here? Aha, look, this is different than he said back there. It's contradictory. No, it's not. <clears throat> One list is, might be just for actual unclean and clean animals, and there may be some other animals that were put into the list because of, over time, they saw what the pagan people were doing with those animals, and they added it to the list. So they learned as they, as they uh, went through time, and they may have added some of these weird things that make no sense to us, unless you go back and figure out that it was part of idolatry. And, and we have been told over and over and over again, keep yourself from idols, please. Because that messes everything up. It'll turn you away from your, from your God. 22. Thou shalt truly... Now here's a different section. So all of the clean and unclean animals, it all ends right there with 21. And then here to the end is talking about... Uh, the tithe. A tithe is a tenth. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God 
in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herds, and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Now, when you brought this into the house of the Lord, you ate of it as well, but you brought it in so that the Levites, who had nothing, they, they couldn't produce money because they didn't inherit anything. So when the, all the other peoples would come in and bring that 10% in, they ate of it as well. The people who brought it in benefited from that tithe, but all the people who didn't, whether it be poor, widows, orphans, whoever was part of the congregation, everybody had something because the Lord blessed everybody who got an inheritance. That was a blessing from the Lord. Everything you have, the job that you get, the house that you live in, everything's a blessing. So however you're increased, then you should be very happy to bring a tenth of it in. And the Jews had not only uh, the first tenth of everything that they increased, but then every three years they would bring in another tithe, which was mainly for the, the poor and the widows and the orphans. So it's more, it was more for them than just 10%. And you'll have people say that we're not under the law, we should do even better today. We're definitely not under any kind of calculation. And if you, it, I, know, I know people from the past that, I, that I, I went to church with, different places, and they, they wanted a blessing. And that's the only reason. They religiously tithe because they expected God to bless them when they did that. That's the reason they did it. And they, and they had no you know, regrets. You know, they, they just told it how they felt. That's, what, that's the only reason they did it, is to get a blessing. Uh, I can remember there was a crazy and so-called Christian investment thing going on down in Florida. This was years and years ago, probably 20 years ago. And it became very popular because people would give a gift to this ministry, it was a gift, so because it was a church organization and it was people giving a gift, it wasn't a real investment, so all the taxes and everything, and they said, you won't have to pay taxes on it, you can, and then they, they just guaranteed that you were going, because, and it, it was all about tithing and, and putting things into the ministry, and you're going to be blessed beyond measure, and they did that, and it got, it got around. It was all over the place. And there were people that I could probably name some people you would know that between churches they were talking about it. And there was uh, a group of about four or five men that were, was at that church that I went to years ago that they sent money to it because they had all of these testimonials about how people got so much money back. <clears throat> so I've sat through them talking about it. We even had like a special meeting at the church because that church was all about money. 
I mean, it was money, money, money. Prosperity messages every week. And bring the money in, bring the money in, and prosperity, prosperity. So the pastor of that church was really into this thing. He really liked the whole idea behind it because he wanted money too. So they all sent money. I never did. I never sent it. And so it wasn't long after that, the feds went in and busted it all up, and people went to jail, and everybody who sent money in there didn't get anything. Come to find out, they were using all the money. They were you know, going to these tropical islands and spending all the money how they wanted, and they just gave certain people money so the word would get out that, oh my gosh, I gave this, but look at what I got back. So when it all fell apart, one of the guys came to me and said, how much did you lose? I said, what do you mean? I was like, I didn't give any money to that. He said, I thought you did. I said, no, it all sounded really good, but all I could think about is everybody was wanting to give so they could get a whole lot more back. And I just didn't think that was right, and they didn't say a word, and they turned around and walked away. Because that was exactly the reason they did it. So if you give for that purpose, it's not going to happen for you. Not going to happen. You have to give out of a truly generous heart because you know God owns everything and you're just giving a part back to Him. And if you get nothing back for it, no big deal. You know it's been put to good use. So, all right, where was I at? I read 22. And then now I'm on 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which ye... I think I read that too. So, so yeah, you were supposed to eat of that... Because uh, what you were bringing was grain, animals. You were bringing all this stuff in, and it was for them to make bread, kill and grill, and have a big feast. And everybody participated in that. So you could, for today, you can kind of, if you, you, you give money to your local church, then if there's a need, then you should benefit from that. We, we all bring it in to the storehouse, and then if somebody has that need, but if you've never brought anything in, you know, you shouldn't expect to get anything from it, but that doesn't mean you won't if you're a part of it, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of grace involved in all of that. So, uh, all right, let me continue to read. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine. And this all sounds so familiar because we just read it a couple weeks ago. This is a definitely a book of repetition. And... People, when it comes to this particular subject, a lot of people need reminding over and over again anyway. So I, that's one reason why it's here. Of the wine and of the oil and of the firstling and of the herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always, and if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it. I mean, think about it the bushels of grain and all the animals you have to load up. So if that was going to be a, a burden, 
or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, then thou shalt, then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and thou and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy thy soul lusteth after, for oxen, for or for sheep, or for wine. What? For wine and or for strong drink? What's strong drink compared to wine? Wine is from the grape or fruit, but uh, strong drink is from grain, and it could be from fruit. It could be even be from honey or sugar. Or for whatsoever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat thereof before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine household. Now here's the, here's the part that's for others. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of, here's the, here's the other tithe. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gate, shall come, and shall eat, and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand, which thou doest. Now, something to think about. You, you will also hear, you know, a little comment I made. You know, if you don't ever bring anything in, don't expect to get anything back from it. And, and people will use the verse way over in the New Testament, in, I guess it's in Timothy, where it talks about uh, those who don't work don't deserve to eat. You know that verse? Most people know it really well. So if you don't work, you don't eat. So if you don't participate in all this, then you don't get anything. Well, that verse is for preachers. That verse is actually for ministers of God. Because there was a problem back then that these ministers would come in to these new churches and then they, would, uh, they were lazy. And they didn't want to help with anything, but they wanted to be fed. And, it's, and, and, mo, and it was in the context of uh, those who came in to, the only purpose was to benefit from those people that they ministered to. They did it so they can receive. And they, they, they were talking, Paul was saying, look, if, you, if, they don't, if they're not willing to work, then don't feed them. They need to get out with the men and get their hands dirty and do something. Because there was a problem with ministers who were hanging out with the women and all the men were going out doing all the work and he called them out on that. So that's, that's the context of that verse. You can't put it here. Okay, that's the end of... Did I finish 14? Yes, question. All of this sounds like they're coming together for fellowship meals. 
the coming together of believers we do now, mm -hmm. and we have fellowship meals. And this thing about uh, selling it and buying uh, what you wanted and coming together again and having a fellowship meal. So it still wasn't for your, your personal benefit. It was for the benefit of others. Mm -hmm. But it had to be in a place, they, the place God said you are to come to worship is Jerusalem. And they didn't have cars and trucks and they had a long ways to go to get oh, yeah. there, especially carrying, so they could sell their, their, their first fruits. Right. Any grain, any animal, turn it into something they could carry, and then when they got to where they were going, they bought the stuff. Because there was plenty of people who could bring a lot of stuff there, and then you, you, could have, you could pick the food that you wanted to buy, the drink you wanted, and you would bring it into the gathering, and everybody can partake of it. Right. Right. And that's very Jewish in nature. We don't have that. We don't go to Jerusalem. You know, when people say you take up a collection, when Paul was talking about taking up that collection, it was to take it to Jerusalem. And he didn't want to touch it. And Paul was a tent maker, and he purposely did not take any money from anybody if he was able to work. The only time he took anything was when he was in jail. And it was only, I think it was the Philippian church that were the only ones that really did anything for him and he remembered it at, toward the end of his life. He remembered them, and we can read about it in our Bibles. But Paul did not want anybody to ever say, you're just doing this for the money. He did not want that at all. He would not take anything from anybody. He would go work as a, as a tent maker, and then he would sell, have money to take care of himself. But then he was very, very strong in his speaking about that doesn't mean that every minister should be this way. Because there's, most of the preachers need to be full-time. And, and he made sure that they, you understood that you do not muzzle the ox that's treading out the corn, or the grain. They are going to eat of it, and they should be able to. They're doing the work to grind it. If they eat some of it, that's good. So he did not say that no minister should be paid. He just said that I don't want to be, and that if you are that way and you're able to be that way, then that's okay. But there, you know, there, like Charles Spurgeon, he thought it was terrible for a preacher to do anything else. He was supposed to be wholly involved in the ministry, and for you to go out and get a secular job was sinful. He thought it was a terrible thing to do. So you can go back and look at all kinds of different preachers over time. Who's right and who's wrong? Maybe to some it is wrong for them to do anything else. You know, God may have picked him out and said, you do nothing but this, and he was blessed in that. He did very well. But others, maybe not. You need to be more like Paul. I don't know how Charles Spurgeon got around you know, talking about what, how Paul did it. All right, so now I want to read out of the uh, Believer's Bible Commentary, just on 14, and it's real short, and then we'll be done for tonight. And if I say the same thing I've already said, I'm sorry. It's probably because I've read this and it's in my brain. 
So starting with the first two verses that we read, and I don't even think I need, I don't, I don't need to read this because uh, I've already explained it very well. I'm just looking at it right here. All right, now, starting with verse 3, this paragraph re- reviews the subject of clean and unclean foods, whether animals, fishes, flying insects, or birds. A similar list is given in Leviticus 11. The two lists are not identical in every detail, nor are they intended to be. Some animals were unclean for hygienic reasons, and some because they were used in idolatrous rites or venerated by the heathen. The New Testament principle concerning foods can be found in Mark 7.15, Romans 14.14, and 1 Timothy 4, verses 3, 4, and 5. Gentiles were permitted to eat the flesh of an animal that died by itself, whereas Jews were not. To do so would violate Deuteronomy 12.23 because the blood had not been properly removed from the animal. Okay, down in verse 21, we we spent some time on that. Uh, And really what he's talking about is that goat being being boiled in its mother's milk. So uh, another reason was the poisoning that a lot of people got from a creamed meat dish. They said that could possibly be the reason why they weren't supposed to do it. So that's that's, that's the other thing that was listed in here. Okay, now all the way over to 22, verses 22 through 29 deal with the subject of ties. Some commentators feel that this section does not refer to the first tithe, which is talked about in Leviticus 27, verses 30 through 33, which belonged to God alone was given to the Levites and was not to be eaten by the Israelites. So there, there may be multiple ties, and I know there are, as you read through the, the laws. Rather, it may refer to the secondary tithe called the festival tithe, part of which the offer himself ate, and that is definitely what it's talking about in, in uh, Deuteronomy 14. Generally speaking, these secondary ties were to be brought to the place which God appointed as the center for worship. However, if the offerer lived so far from the place where God placed his name that he was not able to carry it, then he's going to exchange it for money. We talked about that in detail. So we need to get moderation is something that is talked about in, this, in these verses. And then it says, talking about the difference between wine and strong drink. I already talked about that. In the third year, he used the tithe at home to feed the Levites. The stranger, the father, this is referring to verses 28 and 29, and the widow. Once again, we see that the poor and needy are a high priority as far as the Lord is concerned. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. That's Proverbs 19, 17. 
So that's all I'm going to read out of the uh, Believer's Bible Commentary. And so next Wednesday, we'll get into chapter 15, and we're going to be talking about uh, debtors and slaves, those types of things. All right? So just some, just some general Bible teaching tonight, and there's always application that we can apply it to today in some ways, but we also need to, re to know that you know, we are not under the law. Uh, it's very, very uh, obvious that the Jews were supposed to stand out amongst all of those evil nations that were around them. Now, even though we're not under the law, we are to take that principle, and if you, we are children of God, we are supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be different than those who are not converted believers. We're supposed to be different. And it's becoming more and more dangerous to stand out as a Christian. The persecution is coming. If you say anything that goes along with the Bible, if you quote verses to people, if you pray in the name of Jesus, you're going to get fussed at. You will be persecuted for those things. We see it all the time now with people who we see in the news and different things. We see that. So uh, just be ready for it. I think it's going to get worse and worse. I don't think it's going to get better. And are you going to stay? Are you, are you going to be afraid of the persecution? It can ruin your life. It can really make your life on this earth really, really bad by following Jesus and standing up for his ways. Are you willing to go through that? We've got to really pray about it and think about it. And is it more important for you to live comfortably in this earth or to stand up for your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for all your many blessings. Father, we thank you for, the, for this night, for this Wednesday night time that we set aside to study your word. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who would stand strong in a, in, in a hostile world. Father, that we would, we would be strong and our witness would be sure and that those who may persecute us for what we believe may be touched by it, and maybe their souls will be, will be changed, and they may be, have an opportunity to be saved as well. Father, we know that all things happen for a reason, and Father, if we ever come up against those trials and tribulations, Father, I pray that we would be strong and steadfast, and that we would just be more and more bold in speaking your word. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.